Align Your Practice podcast with Dr. Cliff Fisher, where your best practice and life awaits you. Are you tired of running a practice on your own? We want to come alongside you with experts to help you create your dream practice and your dream life. Here is your host. All right, tribe, welcome to Align Your Practice with Dr. Cliff and Adam Carroll, special guest brought to you by Align Life, where we want to give you the tools to find and create your Align Life. So often we talk about like, you know, health, like, and um, just that being like us being healthy physically, emotionally, spiritually. And um, we don't talk about finances. I think, you know, Adam and I were talking as we were getting ready for this and we're talking about like, we're one awkward conversation from making our world right. And I think the financial conversation is the awkward conversation. Sometimes we don't want to have with our team, with our spouse, with ourselves, with um, people we own money to. But one of the things inside of this podcast, what I really want to do is help bring value to you. And um, Adam and I connected and like, we've been like two hours, every meeting we've had has just been like getting better and better. And we just keep uncovering layers. So I'm super excited to just bring on Adam and help you guys have this awkward conversation about finances. And, you know, the first couple of episodes, we're really going to build up a foundation so that you can then go into the space of making decisions, just like how we do it in our clinics. Like we want to understand where people are at, then we want to give them what their options are and then let them choose. And so Adam and I, are, I think are on the same page on this. So Adam, I'd love a little bit of history, like where you come from. I know you do the shred method. You've been on Ted talks, you've like written three books. There's so much history and I'm so excited to dive into this with you. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. First of all, Cliff, this is awesome. Um, and I, and I hope like you just said that we add just a tremendous amount of value to people who are listening. Um, my background really is this. I graduated from a state university in the middle of the country. Uh, so wave <laughs> next time you fly over. And uh, there's no real reason to be here other than that. Um, when I graduated, I was a debt statistic. So I had, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in student loans. I had $8,000 in credit card debt. I was upside down on my car. My dog had just died at home. My girl had left me at school. You know, I sounded like every Dirk Bentley song ever written. <laughs> and and it occurred to me that I I did not know enough about money when I went to college. And when I got out, I realized that money was really important to know. And one of the things that was a catalyst for me was I met a woman my senior year who told me, get rid of your debt or I'm going to get rid of you. And that was enough uh, motivation for me to really start digging into my own personal finances. She happened to be a nurse and was working a night shift after college. So she would leave our apartment at 7 p.m. and not be back until 7 a.m. the next morning, you know, three or four nights a week. And I found myself just consuming personal finance books. And so I would read, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and the Cashflow Quadrant and Richest Man in Babylon and the Wealthy Barber. And I could go on and on. And every one of those books I read, I realized, oh, I could do that. Oh, I could do that. I need to put this in practice. And so over time, what happened was I, I uh, realized that I knew enough to be dangerous and I knew enough to probably write a book about it. <laughs> and I wrote my first book and, and at that point in time, realized that one of my passions was educating. And so for about 15 years of my life, I was speaking on college campuses across the country. Um, I've been on 750 different college campuses in the last 15 years, everywhere from Florida State University on the East Coast to the University of Spoiled Children on the West Coast. You know where that's at? <laughs> I do know where that's at. Yeah. And um, 
And so my world has really been about teaching people about money, about the mindset, about managing it, about making it. Um, I love entrepreneurs because I find that entrepreneurs have, they have a different intensity and burn about them where they know they're going to be successful. They just don't know how they're going to be successful yet. And I can take that and help shape them and share with them some of the strategies that have helped me to get where I'm at today. Um, so that's that's me in a nutshell. I'm a, a speaker, an author, an entrepreneur. Um, I have a piece of fintech software that we'll talk about in a future episode. Um, but I really just am passionate about helping people pursue a life that lights them up. I call it building a bigger life, not a bigger lifestyle. Oh, wow. Yeah. So many people build that bigger lifestyle and it just stinks because they don't know how to support it or it's just the wrong approach. And um, I, I I learned a lot just in that. And so I think one of the things Adam and I talked about before is like one of the things I would like just permission to do. So you, you can hit stop if you want. But like, I think we're going to just be brutally honest about this because financial conversations are hard enough as they are. But like yeah. if we dance around it, we're just not going to get anywhere. So I totally. would like permission to be raw and real. Like here's the real deal on this, because like there are some things we're going to talk about with student loans that I'm a little uncomfortable saying, but like, I think it's the truth. So yeah. Yeah. Permission um, granted on my end, Cliff. All right. So, <laughs> we'll see how your audience feels. <laughs> keep listening if you want, if you dare. But um, I think it, it will get raw and real because, you know, as we go through this, the topics that I'd like to cover is like, you know, understanding and managing student loans. I think that's like for doctors, for chiropractors, that's one of our, I think our biggest struggles. That's one of the things I hear a lot about. Then the next one that I hear a lot about is like budgeting for financial freedom. Like, what does that look yeah. like? And then the next one is, you know, we call it a debt snowball or debt avalanche, but like really we're going to talk to dive into the shred method, which is, you know, Adam, I know that's your company and what you do. And I love the title and I, I think that's really appropriate. Then after we understand, you know, how do we take care of our debt and, you know, how do we start to build an emergency fund? And then the next one after that would be building wealth. And then really, then what does it look like to achieve it and how do you do it? And so we want to, you know, build a foundation of, you know, the why, because the why has to be bigger than the why not. Yeah. And then once we get that, then we'll sh give you the tools and show you the ways to do that. And um, in all the episodes, Adam's, all his information will be below. So you can just, you can reach out directly to him and talk to him. Because um, I'm certainly not an expert in finances. Um, I just have a lot of scar tissue in finances. <laughs> <laughs> and so, well said, well said, scar tissue from your finances. So let's dive in. So I think this episode, I'd really like to just talk a little bit about student loans, what they are, you know, how, you know, and one of the things is we were getting ready for this. Adam and I both agreed that really it's find an expert on this. We're going to talk high level about this, but this is one of those ones where you don't want to mess around. You don't want to take your neighbor's advice. You don't want to talk to other chiropractors about what you did or what they did. Talk to somebody who's an expert in this field and directly, not indirectly through your fellow chiropractors. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes we make as yeah. chiropractors. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that um, you've got to find someone that that knows the content that we're talking about. There's too much, this is an aside a little bit, but there's too much, hey, my brother-in-law told me about this investment <laughs> kind of business. <laughs> I got this great advice from this person. Well, and I always ask, well, do you want to live their lifestyle? Like, does their life look appealing to you? And if it does, <laughs> Okay. But uh, yeah, I, I agree, Cliff. I think we've got to be really mindful of the advice we're taking. And that goes even to the advice you get when you're in school. 
because uh, you mentioned pre-interview that that the advice was you're going to be a doctor. <laughs> Go ahead, borrow all you want, right? That's right. That's what my the counselor told me. She goes, "You'll be a doctor when you graduate. Just borrow as much as you want." And you know, fortunately, like my wife and I are very frugal, um, and we we just borrowed the the you know what we felt like we needed. She worked while I went to school, and um, we came out, you know pretty as good as we could like at that time when i graduated i think average student loans was between 120 and 130 and I, we were at 90 so i felt good yeah. at that and so yeah which which is probably uncommon for a lot of people because they are hearing that that mentality mm -hmm. of oh just you know borrow whatever you're going to make a ton of money it doesn't matter um i think that is the challenge at the at the university level certainly certainly at the advanced degree level i have a good friend who got his phd in psychology and he was on a full ride scholarship for his bachelor's degree, got okay. his master's degree paid for and had a basically a teacher assistantship for his Ph.D. So got that paid for. And yet he was able to borrow as much as he wanted because he was in an advanced degree and he walked out with one hundred and forty grand in student loans. Oh. And he is now forty two ish. Um, still owes one hundred and probably one hundred and fifty thousand now. And has been making payments, you know, over the last 20 years. So this, this is part of the challenge is that if we're not, if we're not mindful and thoughtful about how we're, we're borrowing and how we're looking at the future and how we're going to pay for things in the future, we can literally strap on a, a 300 pound uh, weight vest, you know, weighted vest that we're going to wear around for the next 20 years uh, I think that's the advice that we need to really be driving down to future doctors is at some point in your life, you have to live like a broke college kid. Yeah. You could do that even while you're going through chiropractic school. <laughs> um, and it may be better for you in the long run. Yeah. I think my, I, I think I was better off when I was in college than when I first graduated. Like I was definitely like, I had more money or what I felt like more money available than I did my first probably two or three years in practice. I bet. I bet. And so, um, you know, we, I give this, this logic and this advice to college students all the time, but I'll tell them at some point in time, you have to live like a broke college kid. Yeah. You either do it in college or you do it when you're a professional. And if you have to do it when you're a professional, just know this, that if you do for two years, what most people won't do, mm -hmm. you can do for the rest of your life, what most people can't do. So for those grads, you know, that are coming out, if you're starting a practice or you're just getting going, can you live the way that you had lived in your early 20s for two more years and just really go headlong at debts or building, starting to build emergency funds, which we'll talk about? Um, can you do that for two years? Because it's those first couple of years of payback where the majority of your interest is being charged anyway. So you can make serious, serious headway in you know month zero through 24 of repayment that you don't really think about when you're getting started but can make a massive difference to you five ten years down the road what i always tell stu like students like and i i didn't even think about this for money but it makes total sense i tell them if you put like six months to 12 months into training and being a great communicator that'll change the whole trajectory of your entire career and i feel like what you just said would do exactly the same thing financially yeah yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think those two years, well, first of all, we go through school and I think I'm going to paint with a very broad brush here, but 
I think most people get out of school and they're like, I am so glad to be done with this. I'm never going to learn again. You know, <laughs> I saw a statistic one time that said the average college graduate reads 0.9 books a year, not even one book, oh, 0.9, which is why in the three books that I wrote, they're all like 0.7 and 0.8 of a book. You, you can read it in one sitting. <laughs> but the, if we're done learning and you go right into working, and now your your mindset is on, okay, now I'm going to make money. Now I'm going to buy all the things that I didn't buy when I was in school versus what if for the next two years, 24 months, okay, now I'm going to figure out how to be a competent communicator, how to invest my money well, how to pay off debt, all those things, how to understand the student loans that I have, you know, spending even a little bit of time on that a month on just reading at night about that could could take you infinitely farther in the short term. Right. Then, then not. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I think taking action on that, I think a lot of times, like, and we're talking about this too, is like, I think a lot of times, even if you, whatever information we consume, it's about like you're taking action on what you're consuming. So, you know, you could probably go further if you took a lot of action on that one book versus like reading a ton of books and taking no action. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, so I'd love like, Inside of chiropractic, a couple of things that I keep hearing when I talk to doctors is they're like, um, oh, I'd love to dive into mindset. You mentioned four things. So I'd love for you to talk to, to share a group like what is money? Sh- what should money do for us? And, I, and this will kind of be our red th- part of our red thread through this whole thing. But yeah, mindset was like the number one thing for me on this. Um, but what are the four things? It is. I, I think you've got to get your mindset right before you start really diving into the tactics of money. So from a mindset perspective, first and foremost, your income is the critical piece. This is going to be an obvious statement, but your income is the critical piece to you building wealth long-term. But here is the mindset piece of that. Uh, Your income really should be doing four things simultaneously. You should be able to pay your expenses, which most people do. They build a life where they can pay their expenses. You should be able to eliminate debt. Okay. You should be able to build wealth and you should be able to have fun and or do good with it. And what most people do with their money is they pay expenses and they have fun. And that's it. They never get around to eliminating debt. They never get, ar- getting a- they never get around to building wealth. And they wonder at some point in their life, I made all this money. Why am I not farther ahead? And the reason they're not farther ahead is they miss the two critical pieces that their income should be doing, eliminating debt and building wealth. And on the mindset piece, uh, or on that topic, there's, there's two great expenses that we all have in life, Cliff. Uh, one is taxes, which are relatively hard to get away from, although there are legal loopholes that people can use and do use yeah. to minimize their tax liability to the ridiculous. In having your own business, investing in real estate, you know, uh, buying things that have bonus depreciation, all those kinds of things are great ways to do that. But the second greatest expense are, uh, or is the interest expense on debt. Oh. And this is, an, this is an overlooked expense for most people because they go, well, it's just part of my expenses. I pay my student loans. I pay my car loan. I pay my mortgage, pay my credit cards. But in the grand scheme of things, that might account for 40% of your income, the interest on that debt itself. It's, yeah, I, it's funny. I think that's such an interesting conversation. I was just at a car dealership with my daughter and her boyfriend last night. And we we're talking about like, 
you know, buying a car and taking a loan out on it versus paying for it and saving up for it. And like, there's a time and a place like, and I, like I bought one car where they said the interest rate was 1.9%. I'm like, cool. I put some money down, carried the loan for the three years. The other one, they said, oh, your interest rate's going to be six or 7%. I'm like, nope, I'll just take care of this. I have, we've saved the money. That's what we did yep. that for. And so there's a time and a place, but I had not thought about it being actually 40% of our total income in our lifetime. But I think that's really accurate. <laughs> we we call it the interest to income ratio uh, at the Shred Method. And what we're looking at is, uh, I'll give you a case study example. We had a gentleman who started with us not too long ago, and he was very excited about the fact he was going to make 120 grand in his new gig. <laughs> um, and I said, well, that's cool. Excited for you. Let's look at your debt load and your income and your expenses and all of that. And he, between a car loan, student loan, and his mortgage, he was paying roughly $35,000 a year in interest. Oh. So this is not, this is, this is outside of his normal, or it would be within his payment, but within his payment, that much interest was also being you know, sent to those, those institutions. And I said, okay, so let's look at your tax liability. It was about 30%. So on 120 grand, 36 grand goes away for your taxes. 35 grand goes away for interest expense. So that's 61,000 is my math, right? Yep. Or 71, 71. 71,000. 71,000 dollars goes out the door in taxes and interest expense right away which means you're really living on uh 49,000 right <laughs> and so somebody who's making 120 cool good for you but you're really living on 40 49,000 wow. and this is where we start really drilling down and going how do we claw back more of your money okay right? we'll get to this in the shred method as it relates to student loans that's one of the things we have to look at now for like all the repayment plans that are out there, pay as you earn, repay, um, you know, income contingent, all of those, the, the interest in question kind of gets kicked down the road and it becomes a future problem. So yeah. right now, somebody who's got $150 or $200 student loan payment because they're on income contingent. You know, yes, you are winning. You are gaming the system to win, right? They, they've, they've engineered this for you. But there is a future interest cost. And it could either be when the loan is written off and you have taxes due, or it could be when you look at it later on in life and the 300000 you originally borrowed has now ballooned to four fifty because you haven't been paying interest on it. You've just been paying, you know, this income contingent payment. Yeah. And one of my favorite laws is the universe only works in win, win, wins or lose, lose, lose. So you're winning now, but you're losing later. Like you're actually loot, like the whole system at some point has got to collapse. Cause I was doing a bunch of research on who's paying for this and it becomes a tax liability or the government, they're not gonna be able to pay. Then all of a sudden the system kind of crumbles, but we're like, like you said, we keep kicking the can down the road, hoping it's going to work out. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest challenges I hear from students is I think the amount is so big, they can't even comprehend how to pay that back. Uh, oh, could not agree more, Cliff. It, think about 18, this, this was actually my very first TED talk was about this topic. And it was basically the theme of it was that the, the, the economic reality of college has changed and that the narrative used to be, um, we'll go to school, get a degree, get a good job. Yep. And actually, the narrative has not changed that much. There is still from kindergarten through 12th grade, students still here 
go to school, get a degree, get a good job. And it's natural, right? Educators go to school to educate. So if you go to an educator in K through 12, you go to a college professor, what has made them successful is more education. So they will tell you, oh, you just need to go get more education. That's what will make you successful. That's what they know. Right. right. And the, the narrative today should be, well, if you go to school, it's going to cost you a small fortune. Um, you'll likely get a degree in something that you won't do long term. You'll, you'll change your careers three or four times in your lifetime. Uh, you'll probably be paying for it for the next 20 or 30 years. And you'll likely not have the financial security that you think you will for at least 10 years. That's a hard sell, right? Wow. So that, that narrative has not, that narrative hasn't changed to match what the economic reality of college is today. And at 18, imagine how old's your daughter? Uh, so I have four. So this one, she's 20, um, 20, 20. Okay. So, and her name is Jayla, Jayla. So imagine going to Jayla and saying, Jayla, pick out a home, any home you want. You don't have to worry about what it's going to cost yet or how much the payment's going to be. We'll we'll tell you that later, but just go find the home that you most want. And if you want to put furniture in it, cool. You want to you know, buy a car to put in the garage, you can. Um, but any home you want is is yours to go get. And this is the college process or the student loan process, right? Yeah. Because the kids are picking any, like, I want to go to oh. Clemson or I want to go to... <laughs> Pepperdine yeah. or wherever. And they go, cool, we'll figure out a way to help you pay for that. How much is it going to cost? Don't worry about that. We'll worry about that in four years when we're all done. And then they graduate and they wake up and they're in a four bedroom house in a gated community with a Maserati out front. And they're like, oh, actually, I needed a one bedroom apartment somewhere. You know? <laughs> I just wanted a condo. That's all I wanted. Yeah. Um, so we have to, that's, that's part of the dialogue that you know, needs to be changed or needs to change over time. But uh, 18 years, 18 years of age to 22 years of age, you have no fundamental concept of what borrowing a hundred grand or 200 grand means yeah, or how difficult it is to pay it back. Yeah. And the income, and I, I think what you're saying on that, like how much goes to taxes and how much goes to interest. And um, th that's definitely what I saw in that. And I, like for me, I feel like school's really good at like when I was like, what's it really good at? Because I talked to chiropractors, I talked to attorneys, I talked to, you know, a lot of people with different degrees. And they're like, I never felt like I was like prepared to be whatever they went to school to be. Yeah. And so then I'm like, cool, what is school really teaching us how to be? And just like you said, it teaches you how to be a teacher. Like right. that's a whole program is what it does. And so, and then they also get promoted. Like if they get their masters, they get a bump in salary, a bump in pay and different opportunity. Yeah. And so I had not thought about it until you said it that way. So I think that's a really important thing to double click on. And I know for me, my narrative changed for me when I, like my, I have four kids. So my first two, I was like, it wasn't, you know, you know, it wasn't, if you're going to college, it was where you're going to college, where are you going to go to college? You know, yeah. now my narrative is like, you know, if it helps you achieve your life, go to college. If it doesn't, don't like there's a, the benefit. And like, I know my son, he's going, he's in school to be an electrician. And so that's a journeyman program. And, and I'm like, I think it's great fit for him. Yeah. And he's got job security. He'll make great money. Yeah. If he loves working with his hands, uh, they, they actually start, you know, the journeyman program, start the retirement, uh, savings and, and additions right off the bat. Yeah. So good for him.
So it's, it's super interesting. I think two kids are going to college and two aren't. So it's been an interesting mix for me and my, and my wife. Like it's just been an interesting conversation for us. Yeah, I bet. And so I think a couple of the big things on the kicking the can down and I'm, and we, we talked about being raw and real. So here's probably my issue. I think the mindset, I think as we're going into this, if we're going into the mindset, like we graduated college, we've just borrowed two to $300,000 as a chiropractor. And we're like, cool, I'm never going to pay this back. I don't think that's good, healthy space for us to have good thoughts about then being an entrepreneur and creating a business, because I feel like there's this weight, like we have these rocks in our backpack that's holding us down. So I would much rather be proactive and be excited because I'll tell you what, when I wrote, when I, because my check was about 80,000 to finally pay off my student loan. When I, and you said it, stroke that check or wrote that check. I was like, that was one of the highlights in my life to no longer have student loan debt. And yes. it felt good to own it and take it and pay it versus like, it would definitely feel different writing a, a um, a check to the IRS saying, okay, cool. I didn't quite make it. I did try for 25 years, but here's like a penance of what I owe where with the shred method from what I'm hearing is like, I think we could, you know, figure out how to take care of this in a way shorter period of time, not have that anchor on us for 25 years. Um, and the second part is like, who pays the debt off? Like one one of the things, like, as I was processing this with students is I'm like, you know, one, you said it like we didn't, we went into this blind, like, yeah, get a four bedroom house that, you know, wherever you want with the Maserati, you know, I went into school thinking that I didn't really know. Um, but I did go into an agreement. Um, and then mm-hmm. when we come out of it, we're like, cool, I'm going to bail on this agreement I made. Cause now I have what I want and I'm going to go create my life and I'm just going to pay the minimum for the next 25 years. And then hopefully the government doesn't change the rules. That's the other conversation we've had, you know, hopefully they don't change the rules or, and like, so that was one of my things in that, like, you know, we made an agreement and it just feels better to fulfill an agreement. And I just think you're the different space and integrity. I I couldn't agree more. I, I, and I, this goes back to the mindset comment that we were talking about earlier which is some people have grown up in a household where debt was normal, natural, and good. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you heard your parents ever say, well, I'll always have credit card debt. We'll always have a car loan. We'll always have a mortgage. You know, you'll always have student loan debt. You begin to, to listen to those things at a subconscious level and go, well, yeah, we'll always have. So from a, from a mindset perspective and shifting the mindset for your listeners, what I would propose is, ask yourself the question, what would being debt-free feel like? Would I feel better, lighter, more free, more flexible, uh, more able to build a bigger life, take trips, you know, invest, give back, whatever it may be. Would you be able to do that if you were debt-free? And then as you think about that, the question to ask is, how would I knock out my student loan debt in record time? Not how do I kick this can so eventually it goes away? Um, we, I was talking with another chiropractor the other day and we were talking about the book, the body keeps score. Oh yeah. You're familiar with that book. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And there, and I read it because I had had been having lower back pain for a while. And, um, a friend of mine said, I think you ought to, you ought to read this. You might be carrying something you shouldn't be carrying. Oh. And, and, you know, it was just stress and the weight of whatever the decision at the time was felt like it was weighing down on me. Turns out I just didn't have a very strong core. So I started working out and everything, everything resolved itself amazingly. Um, 
but when I read that book, I thought, you know, the, the body does keep score and it keeps score around our money. And I have it that many chiropractors are probably seeing people who are weighted down with the weight of debt and decisions that they've made that, that aren't really supportive or getting them to where they want to go. And so if we're going to change our mindset around paying off student loan debt, number one, it's realizing it actually is very possible to blast away two or $300,000 of debt in record time. But you have to understand the strategies of how to do that. And it's not income-based repayment or pay-as-you-earn or any of those, because that is intended to keep it going for the long term. Yeah. And this this is a stat. I don't know how true it is, but they say that that the I've read that that the government's second largest income source is the interest on student loans. So next to tax revenue, student loan interest is the second largest income stream that the government has. So if you think about why would they forgive all this debt or forgive it in the moment in the next administration or two, why would they forgive it? If it's the second largest income stream that the government has, Department of Ed. Holy cow. I have not, man, I don't know how you guys are, but like so far already, like I've not even thought about that, but that is so true. Like, um, wow. So, Hundreds of billions of dollars that comes in on, you know, on student loan interest. Wow. Um, and so for, uh, you know, I'll speak for myself. I now I didn't come out with hundreds of thousands. I had tens. My wife had a little bit. Okay. Um, but, but we went after it like a hot knife through a cheese log. You know I mean? We were like after it, like a laser beam. And our goal was, we knew what our goal was. It was to be debt free. Okay. And the reason behind it was very emotional for both of us. She grew up in a household where her parents just didn't have a lot. So they didn't necessarily have a lot of debt, but they never had a lot of money period. Okay. And I grew up in a household that I thought we were affluent. And my mom and dad joke about that now are like, Oh, we didn't have a pot to pee in, you know, uh, we were in student, we were in credit card debt at the end of the year, every year. And I didn't want that. I wanted to live a different life than what my parents did. And she did the same. And we wanted to build, uh, the opportunity to create generational wealth so that our, our children or our grandchildren, our great grandchildren, um, live a different life and, and, you know, somewhat easier life, so to speak, but a life that's not one that's, that's all about debt and less and lack and not having. I love that. And I, the, I think the easier life is interesting. I, I always tell my kids, I want you guys to have a different life. Cause like, I think sometimes with money comes complexity and responsibility. So I don't know if it's easier. It's just, possibly different. And I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, no, I, lo I love that idea. Um, it, there, there was a NFL player in an interview recently who said, I want to give my children everything they need to be successful, but I can't, I can't give them the one thing that I had to be successful, which was nothing. Oh, oh. yeah. So there, there is truth to that. Yeah. If that it's a different life, right. A different life. Uh, certainly. And that's, you know, that's what I'm hopeful for is teaching my kids all the things that, uh, that I didn't learn growing up. Yeah. No fault of my parents. They didn't know either. Right. And if we can expose them to those ideas, uh, you know, maybe they'll make different choices that make their life, uh, different. Yeah. Cause I think yeah. 
like my goal in this whole and everything I do is I want people to be able to build on the shoulders of giants. So like I had great mentors um, and continue to get them every year. Um, but I want to be able to continue to grow. And I want my kids to be able to build off what I've built so that they have a different life or a different experience. Because one of the things that I'm most committed to is changing the consciousness of the planet, because we do need a shift in this. And I feel like money, like there's just this, we just don't have this good relationship with money because we keep turning our head to it versus like yeah. going straight on at it and being like, you know, sometimes the only way through it is through it. And money is, I think that conversation. And that's why, you know, when Adam and I connected, I was just like, like, wow, let's dive into this head first and really go at this. Because I'll say like, when you were saying that, like, if chiropractors, if you guys just change every conversation you have with your patients with health to money, you, like, it'll make that whole conversation real. Because we tell people like your health is your responsibility, your money is your responsibility, like every wow. conversation is same. And um, I love what you said about asking that better question. I think that's so critical. Like, you know, how do I pay that off versus, you know, how do I just get by with my health? <laughs> and so many people are saying that and chiropractors cringe when we hear that. They're like, oh, I just want a wellness patient. And I'm like, that's awesome. But people start out in back pain and then they become yeah. a wellness patient. People start out in debt and become financially independent. And so and I think that's the conversation we're wanting to dive into over the next several episodes. I love it. I love it. One last thing I'll mention on that, yeah. that note, Cliff. And I shared this with you pre-roll on the interview, but that your life mm. and include your business, your family, your health is perfectly engineered for the results you're currently getting. Man. And so if we're going to align your practice or align your life or align your money, um, how, you know, how do we do that without changing something? Yeah. And at the core of it, and what we're going to talk about over the next few episodes, it really is mindset. And it's when you shift your mindset around money to, I'm actually going to do all the things necessary to achieve the life that I most want. And here are all those things. Some of them are difficult, but I'm, I'm okay with doing that. It's amazing what can change in short order. And it's really amazing when a couple are in lockstep on that. Uh, um, so I'm excited to share some of those strategies too in the, in the next couple episodes. Yeah. Adam, as you bring that up, like this is that episode. If you, if you have a partner in money and you partner in life, like bring him in on these episodes, because if you guys are out of step, this becomes awkward and impossible. This will be hard enough if you guys are in lockstep, but if you are out of step, I think it's impossible. So, um, great episode. So dive into your student loans, find your space. Um, mindset is such a big part of this whole thing. And this is what we're going to talk about over the next several. I'm looking forward to the next one. Where we're going to be talking about budgeting for, um, or yeah, budgeting for financial freedom. So that'll be the next topic. So we'll dive into that next one. Um, Adam, thank you so much for your genius. This has been awesome. I've already learned so much. I love the conversation, Cliff. Let's keep it going. All right. Thanks, Adam. For opportunities to build your dream practice, presented by Dr. Fisher, reach out to Align Life Centers for Natural Health at AlignLifeOpportunity.com.